Welcome to Bible Q&A, a monthly discussion with Luther Seminary faculty about everything you wanted to know about the Bible but were afraid to ask. I'm Katherine Schifferdecker. And I'm Eric Prado. Today we have Fred Geiser, Professor of Old Testament here at Luther Seminary. Thank you for joining us, Fred. Thanks for asking. Um, this is a great piece and I think uh, asked some really interesting questions for us. So let's start with, I think, a real basic question and talk a little bit about when we use words like prophet or prophecy, what do we mean by those words? I, I often get the sense that we, I think people imagine people uh, like fortune tellers or something like that, but I think the Bible has something else in mind, right? Probably, almost certainly. The, uh, it, it's a many faceted word in the Bible too. I would agree with those who argue primarily that the prophets were messengers. Simple, and it's a simple task. Somebody says, go say this, and you go say it, and that makes you a prophet. That is, you were a faithful deliverer of a message. And that message may have been on, about all kinds of things. It may have been threat. It may have been promise. It may have been... Uh, it may have been some kind of a vision of what's coming, uh, the, uh, but the primary purpose of prophecy was to tell the truth, to deliver the message faithfully. So go and tell. Uh, you had to go. You had to tell. And both things were essential. You had to get the right audience. You had to shape the message in order that the audience could hear and understand it. And you had to deliver the message faithfully. And the prophets understood in whatever way they understood it that the message was God's and the people needed it because it was a matter of life and death. Hence that that uh, re- repeated phrase often in the prophets, thus says the Lord. Yeah. So this is not the prophet's own word. This is, the, according to his understanding, this is the word of the Lord. Yeah. Although it's clear that the prophets shaped that word through their own personalities and their own skills and talents. Uh, but, uh, but the message itself, they understood to be God's. Yeah. yeah. And it seems to me, too, that the, the prophets often seem to be very much political creatures, that they are often interacting with very powerful people, speaking truth to power, seemingly often give advice to kings. Uh, so they're not just concerned about what we would think as religious matters, but political matters as well. Often. Uh, and that distinction probably doesn't even That's, make a lot of sense mm-hmm. in the biblical world. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the prophets were truth tellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes we use the modern phrase uh, speaking truth to power and that makes a certain amount of sense although there can be a lot of self-righteousness in that too (laughs) Uh, they spoke truth to ordinary folks on the street as well uh, because everybody needed the word of God in because it was always a matter of life and death but it's a matter of life and death for the political rulers as well and through the political rulers for the people over whom they had they had power and so it was important that they understand that the exercise of that power was not merely at their hand in their control that they could do whatever they wanted and god needed the prophets to tell them that on more than one occasion 
So Isaiah, uh, or the people who follow Isaiah, he says these words, he speaks the message that he's been given to speak. They're written down, whether by him or his follower, and they're preserved because the people understand these words as word of God. Precisely. If they had not moved them, if they had not understood them to be life-giving words, we wouldn't have them. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the Bible, in that sense, is not an archive of words once spoken because you had to keep them for, a future, for future reference. Yeah. They were uh, words that people understood to be matter, matters of pertinence for their own lives. And, uh, and they wrote them down because... Precisely because they understood, as I suppose we still do, that words that have power in one generation are going to have power yeah. in another generation yeah. as yeah. well. Why do you write books? Well, and of course, with the classic text from Isaiah that talks about that, the word does not return empty. Yeah. but accomplishes God's purpose. Not once, yeah. but like the rain, like the snow. Every time you need it, in every generation, it accomplishes God's purpose. And people understood that to be true, which is why they recorded these things and why eventually the church understood them to be Bible. We better hold on to this stuff yeah. because yeah. it speaks truth in every generation. Well, for, yeah, first the synagogue and then the church. But first, yeah, let's, yeah, I mean, I use, right, yeah, using yeah. the term church loosely. Yeah. Let's let <laughs> Let's move forward a few centuries then. Uh, so, so these words are preserved. The synagogue uh, understands them, or the uh, Israel, the Jews understand uh, them to be word of God. And I love that image of the rain. I hadn't thought about that in that verse from Isaiah, but it, you're right. It's something that, that keeps coming. It's not a one-time event. Uh, it, it keeps uh, um, raining and keeps renewing life, uh, yeah. just as the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it rained once. Well, that's interesting information, but it doesn't do me any good if right. I'm farming today. Exactly, and, yeah. And similarly, the Word of God, it happened once. Isaiah said something once. Okay. I mean, that's data, that's information, yeah. but it isn't, it isn't a word for today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the early church, they read these uh, words from Isaiah. They hear these words from Isaiah. What do they understand? And particular, particularly the gospel writers uh, understand about how these words relate to Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, well, I think they worked in a different in different ways in that time as well. That is, all the people who write the New Testament are also going to synagogue and going to temple right. and hearing the the words of the prophets read regularly in in sequential order in synagogue worship uh, they're hearing them at the great festivals of of Israel in the in the temple they're functioning as part of the tradition of Israel as part of the life-giving word of God for Israel and yet at the same time they're hearing these in the light of Christ Mm -hmm. as pointing to God doing something new. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both of those things are going on at the same time. It's preserving the tradition and it's passing it on. It's making it new. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, 
behold, I'm doing a new thing. I mean, that's Isaiah too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the 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 New Testament authors, I think, are living at the same time in both of those worlds where they are living with the life-giving tradition of Israel, the promises God, God once given by God once and forever to Israel. Uh, while at the same time they're saying, wow, I mean, look at this new thing that God <laughs> yeah, is doing yeah. and how these same words now feed a new understanding of what God is up to in Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. You point out this this tension between continuity and surprise between yeah. the prophets and the early church. Yeah. A sense in which uh, this is how God has been working all along. Exactly. But also a sense in which, wow, this is not what we expected. Yeah. But this is still the same God. Yeah. This kind of tension of continuity and surprise. Yeah. Um, is that something that we see pretty well spread out through the Gospels? Is that... Nice I think it's spread sense. out through the whole Bible, yeah. not just... Not yeah. in, in, certainly through the Gospels. Uh, the... Uh, but Isaiah's doing it already uh, with yeah, right. earlier Old Testament traditions. Remember the uh, Exodus? Oh, yeah. Well, forget uh, it. <laughs> because God is doing a new thing. Oh, what's it going to look like? Well, remember the Exodus? Exodus. <laughs> uh, it, it picks up the Exodus theme, gives it an entirely okay, yeah. new meaning, but it would have had no... They would have been, there would have been no way to understand it if had they not known the Exodus tradition. And uh, the New Testament does the same kind of thing. That is, I don't think it uses, I don't think Isaiah did, I don't think the New Testament uses the prophets as proof texts. It uses them as sermonic texts. Yeah. Here's texts on which to preach. Yeah. And they preach this new word of God's coming to Israel in Jesus, God's coming to the world in Jesus, uh, in the same way that the prophets had been doing that all along. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I'm trying to think of a good image. I like the image of the rain, but maybe uh, of a an image of a gem or something with with many facets uh, to to speak about the Word of God. That Damn. that it is as truly Word of God to its original audience to Israel, the the people Isaiah spoke to, as it is truly word of God to the the early church and to us. It's not that it's not that Israel didn't understand rightly what Isaiah was saying because they did understand as fully as they could what Isaiah was saying, and then uh, and then another facet is revealed uh, once the early church reads it uh, reads Isaiah in light of the experience of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, writing about the prophets, my own teacher, Gerhard von Rott, uh, said, among other things, if a text can mean more than one thing, all the better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than just nailing down its one, once for all right. meaning. Yeah. It meant all kinds of things to all kinds of people. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you got to do some discernment about which one of those things are valid and faithful, which one of those meanings are valid and faithful, and which ones might not be. Uh, that's essentially the process of canonization. Uh, but uh, yeah, everybody finds new meaning in those things in every in, in every age, precisely because they are words of life and power. Yeah. Which I think is a reminder then that uh, inspiration doesn't stop when Isaiah stops writing or yeah. Mark starts writing. That yeah. even today we're still grappling with these texts, seeing all these different facets. Damn. We kind of need one another to 
try to weed out the good interpretations from the of not course. so good. Um, so let's talk a little bit about reading Isaiah today then. So if I'm picking up this book, I'm interested to know what Isaiah has to say to me and to the church, to the faithful, what Isaiah has to say about God. How do I read Isaiah? Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh... It's interesting. Uh, people talk about developments in the history of reading, from reading intensively to reading extensively. Yeah. Uh, and earlier ages wrote, read intensively because they had little to read, and you read it over and over and over again, and you steeped yourself in it the way, in some sense, many of our ancestors did with the Bible. Uh, the uh, because it's pretty much all you had to read. Yeah. Uh, we're swamped with words, yeah. and uh, we read extensively. We read a little bit of everything and not much in yeah. depth. Yeah. Uh, one of the practices, somehow, the practices of the church help us to get back to a sense of intensive reading to read this stuff over and over and over again because uh every time you do mm. you see something different you mm. see something new mm -hmm. uh and so the first answer to how do you read it is read it right mm. uh, yeah yeah Again and again, read it. Uh, read it in different translations. Read it with different groups and conversation partners. Uh, but uh, like the uh, like the eunuch in Acts eight, you're mm. going to need help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't and, do make this up on my own. I can't do this on my own. And the help may come from some guy running alongside your chariot, like the right. Ethiopian <laughs> eunuch, <clears throat> or you could go to enterthebible.org and find <laughs> some information there. <laughs> Right. I mean, there are there are folks out there to help us, uh, and we help one another in the reading of these materials. And uh, reading is always interpreted. There is no uninterpreted reading, and so it's helpful to pay attention to which interpreters you uh, you trust. Yeah. yeah. And in some sense, of course, that happens primarily for most Christians as they sit in the pews on Sunday morning and the pastor preaches on Isaiah yeah. and you hear it in a new and different way addressed directly to you. That's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my own uh, teachers, Preferred Childs, uh, talks about uh, interpreting uh, so that there's a, a family resemblance. In other words, just what you were saying, you have to discern what's faithful, what's not so Damn. faithful. Um, uh, certainly God uh, can do new things and does new things, as we learn uh, in Isaiah and in the Gospels. Um, but 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 there has to be a family resemblance to what has come before. That God God's, God is the God of Israel. God is the God of Jesus. God does not change God's basic character. I, that's right. Uh, God enters history, which means that there's all kinds of change going on. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. On the other hand, he was a little boy and then he grew up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, change is real. Change happens. But there's family resemblance yeah, between yeah, the Jesus yeah. of the, uh, 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 as a youth and the Jesus on the cross, or otherwise it's a whole other religion. It's a whole other exercise. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so you hold on to the basic promises uh 
I am the Lord your God, brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That's who our God is. That's what God does. God liberates. God sets free. Yeah. And if uh, if somebody is preaching to you a God is not setting you free, you might want to go somewhere else. Well, lots to talk about. God speaking to us uh, in uh, new ways, and God, as you said before, Fred, the, both the continuity and the surprise. Uh, and this is what the Word of God is, this living Word that speaks to Isaiah's original audience, to the Gospel writers, and to us even today, uh, as we hear Isaiah during Advent uh, and uh, throughout the year. So lots of stuff we could talk about, but uh, we would uh, point you to more information on Isaiah, more helps to read Isaiah. Uh, Fred, uh, you wrote the, the articles on Isaiah for enterthebible.org, and uh, those, uh, those are helpful. Thank you for joining us on Bible Q&A. You can find more information at enterthebible.org. Join us again.